1: Drivers, start
0: your engines! Get the pace car! What's for? Because you need any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect.
1: When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who
0: talks to me. It's him. He talks to me.
1: Good evening, race fans. Welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Draft from the Circus program brought to you by Dan Blay Racing Art and Legend of the First Super Speedway. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about this past weekend in racing. Um, Update you on the race news and preview next week. I've got Richard Uden and Louise Torres here in the studio with me. What's up, folks?
2: Hey, how's it going.
1: It's going. It's going. All right, so uh, had a pretty good weekend of racing behind us. We had a uh, Formula One it was in Imola, and uh, NASCAR uh, their divisions were down in Talladega, which is always a uh, fun race, even if a bit of a crapshoot. Um, uh Indianapolis Motor Speedway announced some new qualifying procedures. We'll get into and then. We have a slew of other, just kind of different news on and off the track. So, but let's start with Formula One in Imola, Ferrari home turf. Uh, Ferrari doing well this year, but it was Max Verstappen in the Red Bull who pretty much ran away with the race, took the pole, won the sprint race, got the fastest lap. You know, he got the maximum points out of the weekend, ran away from everybody else. Uh, although the racing behind him was pretty decent, huh, Richard?
2: Yeah, it was a good, good weekend back on the European soil for the start of the uh, the European season which gets interrupted by Miami next weekend or in a week and a half time but uh, no it it was good you know it's a great track it's a great old fashioned circuit and to see these cars out there is is pretty special and uh, we were treated to some unpredictable weather which I think always helps uh, through qualifying in the race Um, I think both Mercedes got knocked out in the first round or second round of qualifying Um, Kevin Magnussen I think got a P4 in qualifying Uh, so yeah, it was a good Friday afternoon qualifying, of course, and then into excuse me, into Saturday afternoon for the sprint race. And uh, Leclerc had a great start, got ahead of uh, of, of Max, and was looked to be pretty much controlling the race there on the sprint race. And uh, you know, most of the guys were on the soft tire, and um, I think what ha- helped those guys on the soft tire was that Snow, it, no, it was uh, Guang Yin Zhou. Had a spin, he was hit by um Gasly and uh he sort of was, was stranded on the side of the track there, which had like a four or five lap safety car period. Which, of course, you know, massively helped the guys on the soft tires probably get through to the end of the race. But uh, it appeared that um Verstappen was able to manage his tire life a little bit better than Leclerc, and with two or three laps to go, he was able to mount a charge and uh and pass. Uh, past Charles Leclerc there, much to the disappointment of the the Tafosi the fans there, who it turned out in huge numbers to uh, to what they meant. I think, you know, given the Ferrari performance so far this year, they expect it to be a pretty processional race. But, uh, yeah, going into Sunday morning, then you had uh, Verstappen on pole with Leclerc second. And, uh, uh, you know, it was a little bit wet, a little bit damp. Uh, it rained quite heavily before the start of the race and then it, it so I don't think it actually rained during the race, but it was pretty cold there, sort of 13 degree Celsius ambient air temperature and track temperature, which is very low. Uh, so the big issue that they were seeing was they could create a drying line from the cars running over it, but you couldn't really create any sort of dry patches offline um, you know, to, to ease to a overtaking. So it was a bit of a processional race there and after through the pit stops, after it all sort of washed out, uh, you had Verstappen ahead from Perez uh, with Leclerc back in, in third. And uh, Charles was pushing uh, pretty hard there to try and, uh, um, you know, get that second place back. I don't think even if you'd passed Perez, I don't think he would have been, ever been in a position to, to really seriously challenge the seventh. Because Verstappen all weekend pretty much had, had the race, um, you know, race under control. Uh, there was nothing gonna stop him. And then <clears throat> um coming into Varianta Alta, the, the the chicane at the, the top of the circuit there. Um Leclerc sort of caught the inside curve and span round and damaged his front wing a little bit. So I ended up coming into the pits, change of front wing, um uh, and, and managed to battle back to I think it was sixth place or seventh place potentially, but compared to what he'd gone into the weekend hoping for, was a pretty pretty poor result, you know, considering. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it, it was a shame that, that Charles and, uh, and Max couldn't battle a little closer throughout the race, but uh, it was, a, you know, a, a great weekend again and, and, and some really, really good racing. Uh, the guys were really pushing themselves pretty hard. Uh, in, in in tricky conditions there, and Max just controlled it pretty comfortably in the end. So, uh, yeah, good weekend. The troubles for well, yeah, the let's troubles say, well, for let's... Mercedes continue, but it was only on one side of the garage, really. Yeah, um, see,
1: Russell has finished top five in every race. He's the
2: only driver to finish top five in every race so far this yeah, year. Yeah, so he actually, he,
1: you... he actually is not buried too deep in the points, you know. But he's because uh, no. uh, you figure Verstappen, he's got two wins, but he also has two DNFS. So yep. that, that gives Charles, uh, Charles is a pretty good lead uh, in the thing. But, yeah. you know, Max is Max is behind, but not so far behind because it's a long season ahead yet. Uh, but then I, I want to say Russell is right up there in third. Yeah. So oh, third yeah, or, he, third he, or fourth. Yeah, he, he Russell's yeah, right he, up he, there. You know, fourth or fifth Consistency because Paris is third and, with the podiums.
2: Right. You know, right. The, the frustrating thing is. Obviously, there's a bit of tension in the Mercedes camp at the moment. But you listen to the um, feedback and communication between the drivers and the um, team, and um, you know all the same, all Toto saying, "Oh, this is this car's not good enough. Yeah, this isn't the sort of thing. You know, we're sorry, though. It's not you. Just you know, we're, we're going to keep working as a group. Blah blah." blah. Well, that's great, but at the end of the day, Russell's up there doing okay. So you, I, I think it's very difficult to turn around and um, you know openly you know, openly defend the performance of one driver uh, whilst, you know, to a certain extent, um, you know ignoring the fantastic job under the very difficult circumstances that the other guys doing. You know, we've talked about this before in many many series of motorsports. Just because a driver is, um, you know, what, what, what's the word? Just because a a driver is, you know, not performing doesn't necessarily mean it's the car, you know. Um, and yeah, I think Hamilton, you know, you need they they, should, they need to be looking at putting pressure on him there because he's not performing fundamentally under yeah. the circumstances. If, so if, yeah,
1: very if, disappointing. If, if, yeah. If you think about it, right. Um, you know, Russell spent his first couple of years in Formula One in the Williams when the Williams team was yeah. str- was struggling. So, yeah. he, he is very used to trying to get the maximum performance that he can out of a car that may be substandard. And, and yeah. I think I think that the skills that he's built there at Williams are are really rising to the you know the top in this situation where where you know the Mercedes is not a horrible car by any stretch of the imagination, but it's not the it's not the you know the, 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 killer that, uh, that it has been the last several seasons. It's not, you know, and, and of course Lewis has had the advantage of, uh, having a pretty superior car. And even, you know, even when Lewis had a car that was maybe difficult to drive or, or had a poor setup, it was still a lot better than what, uh, you know, 90% of the grid had. So yep. I think, I think that, uh, you know, that, um, um uh George's early years there at uh oh for sure Williams are, are paying off because he yeah, here's a guy he says okay this is what I have to work with I'm gonna do the best I can and and, and yep. there there he is and he's you know he's he's right right in the thick of it in every race.
2: Yep. Oh without any hesitation, he's got to be given a huge amount of credit for, 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 for driving. I just think it's a shame that people are focusing on Lewis's poor performances rather than George's stellar performance in reality that is, is really sort of, you know, um, I think putting Hamilton in a difficult position. You know, Hamilton's got to pick it up. Hamilton's got to really start to, uh, you know, start, start to show what he's capable of. Um, you know, we all know what he's capable of without any hesitation. And, you know, another guy who's driving incredibly well this year is Valtteri Bottas.
1: You know, drove a fantastic
2: race this last weekend uh, in yeah, the five uh, in-
1: finished in the top five, yeah.
2: Uh, he, yeah, was right, so, he was right. right
1: behind Russell. Yeah,
2: so you know this guy who was uh, also run at Mercedes in many people's eyes is, is really stepping up. So um, I think, yeah, you, you've got to you've got to give the guy credit. You know, credit where credit's due, and it definitely is in in both George and, and Valtteri's case there for sure. And,
1: and yeah, and and Valtteri, of course, the guy who's been driving the Mercedes. Well, here he is moving to a car that's probably not quite up to the. The, you know, the spec of the Mercedes and, and giving it all he can. Yeah. You know? and, and
2: then, you know, he, and deserves then, a, he deserves a chance in one of the big teams, that boy.
1: Sure does. Yeah. And, uh, and, and another guy, uh third place, um, Lando Norris. Lando. Yeah. Lando, Lando having, a, a, having a good season there, you know, McLaren Certainly is
2: benefited the... from, uh, you know, Charles issue there and spinning out and also probably well, absolutely. yeah, Bunting off, uh, bunting off Carlos science at, uh, turn- <laughs> two, I guess
0: it's technically on the yes.
2: first lap, but, uh, you know, you've got to, you know, make, make hair, while the sun shines as they say. And, uh, you know, credit where credit's due, you know, it's not your fault that everybody else is, is, is struggling.
1: No, no, as long as you keep it on the track, yeah, the other guys can do whatever they want. Yeah. So, and then you just reap the benefits at the end of the race though. But yeah, but yeah. again, again, it's good to see Imola back on the, uh, on the schedule here. Um, y- you know, it's, uh, again, that was some of the benefit from the pandemic years, Um, and, and it's great to see such a big crowd in Italy because, uh, Italy being one of the countries that was hardest hit, um, in the, in the early, uh, part of the pandemic. So it's it's just great to see uh, all those fans out there cheering on their Ferrari drivers. Um, even though, uh, it was max for the win. So we're off to Miami (laughs) next, which will be interesting. And, um, yeah, when it's fake yacht and water, (laughs) the fake yacht and water,
3: (laughs) No, no kid. No, I'm not joking. They literally, it's not like a natural lake or river. They're going to artifact it, which should go quite well. We'll see if we'll have a Nashville
1: episode over there due to it. Uh, It's, uh, you know, a a new track is always, um, puts a lot of variables out there. I mean, a a new track that nobody's seen that, you know, you you can do all all the, the simulation work you want. But nobody has put an actual tire on that track. It's a temporary circuit. Um, so uh, it'll be interesting to see because usually when you get a new track, you'll have somebody that you don't expect will kind of put on a, a performance you don't expect, uh, you know. So it would be interesting to see what happens. Um, uh, evidently, the race is sold out despite the fact that uh, the, the tickets are, uh, you know, a mortgage payment and a half apiece. Um, so... Richard, what are your thoughts on Miami?
2: It's a little bit into the unknown, isn't it? I, I do fear that it's another one of these sort of designer tracks that we see so often now, you know, um, these so-called road courses that or street circuits. It isn't really a street circuit. It's just built in a parking lot like we've seen in Saudi Arabia and, and uh, Abu Dhabi and places like that. But uh, no, I think it's going to be good. I think... <laughs> Events like Miami and what we'll see in Vegas last year, oh sorry next year, are as much about the spectacle as they are the racing. Which, from a purist standpoint, doesn't always sit well. But it's always great to see the publicity, especially living over here in the US and seeing what uh, you know what goes on and 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 the uh, you know the the publicity that it's getting and exposure it's getting is is, is great. Certainly a good conversation point for. People that you know, when I first moved here seven eight years ago, didn't know what Formula One was. Now they're, they're watching every race, and uh, you know, it makes you know I'm not the boring one at the parties anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but it well, it it'd be awesome see. It's, anyway. Yeah, it is. It is going to be a lot about the spectacle, the glitz and glamour. I'm sure you'll have you know celebrities left and right there. Um, I'm sure I'm sure they'll have some of the biggest pop stars there performing concerts, and and it'll be it'll be a, a fun time. For those that can afford to go, um, I'm sure it'll look great on television. Um, Yeah, but again, this is this is one that I worry about the sustainability of uh, just because they're already already getting a lot of local opposition. So, uh, you know, and and it reminds me of, uh, you know, like um, the Grand Prix of Baltimore that uh, the IndyCar series put on a while back. Now, mind you, Baltimore does not have the glitz and glamour of Miami, but um, they they kind of caved to uh, local opposition after a couple of years, even though it was a pretty darn good event for those of us who enjoy watching street racing. So, you know, I kind of I kind of have a little. Let's see if this lasts in the back of my mind. Um, there have not been a lot of newly introduced street races in the United States that have survived. Um, I think the most recent recently added street race in the states that's still going um you know other than nashville which started last year would maybe be um saint petersburg which has got a good 15 16 years behind it now
3: yeah that sounds about right because yeah. there's really not many excluding long beach and and saint well, Pete, I, I, really I was, not I many say, street courses yeah all
1: that you but all, but how many have come and gone you mm-hmm. know
3: that is, yeah, that's why.
1: You're talking, you know, Houston and um, even well, Detroit's going back to the street race. So we'll see what happens there because uh, they were on Belle Isle for a while. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I will certainly be uh, tuned in with watchful eyes to see uh, what happens in Miami. But uh, do we want to even try to venture a guess at, at who we think is going to win this thing? Which one? Miami. For
3: all, for all we know, Votus can pull the upset. Who knows? Okay. Oh, yeah. Ooh, he, he could. Yeah. So. But that's not my pick, though. Oh, okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> for all. I'm to... just
3: saying. For all we know, Vortes can win it since it's a street course. Maybe not like Soki, but fairly. I don't know why I'm thinking of Soki in Miami
2: looking the same. But Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, but again, yeah, that's another track that I'm saying is similar to the ones where we talked about these street courses that aren't really street courses and all this sort of stuff, Um, but uh, yeah, who knows who could be up there
1: Uh, It's hard to bet against Max because it seems like if his car doesn't break down, he's there to finish right, so Max is certainly a good pick, Leclerc's a good pick, the Ferraris have been strong you know, pretty much everywhere they've gone. So but you know, you could, you know, could be a wild card, you know, Perez could win the things. Science could win the thing. Who knows? George Russell could win the thing. You know, the 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 Miami track might suit the Mercedes car. Who knows? Yeah. Or lo and behold,
3: Hamilton gets it together and wins somehow. No. We know. <laughs> I said lo. That's why I say specific words like somehow, implying that. It's not likely going to happen.
1: All right. So let's get an official pick from each of you. I'm taking Max for stopping. Go
2: on, Luis.
3: All right. Then I'm
2: taking George. Uh, I'll go for Michelle
1: then. Okay. All right. So here here we are locked in for our picks for for Miami. And you got to wonder, you know, if poor old Will Smith hadn't have damaged his reputation in the news, he'd be right down there, right? Because we know because we know Will Smith and uh, Lewis Hamilton are good friends. And, um, you know, Will has that song. I'll be
2: a slap in the face to somebody else. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Will's got that song about Miami. It would just be perfect if he hadn't have, you know, had that little incident at yeah, that, yeah. that award show. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, like. Way to go, Will. They, you're going think, to about... give us Flow Rida instead. Thanks. Yeah, well, I'm, well Flo ride is not bad. So Pitbull could show up. He's he's a Miami guy, right? Now that would be better. No, well, Pitbull likes racing, right? He's involved in NASCAR. So he may very well be there. Who knows? Gloria Estefan in the Miami sound machine. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the Indianapolis Motor Speedway announced some changes to the qualifying format. And uh I, I will uh head off by telling you I will be publishing an article on drafting the circuits tomorrow that chronicles the history of qualifying formats at the Indy 500, starting back in in, in, um, 1911 and going all the way through the current changes, uh, which is a very interesting read. And I recommend that you read it um, because I need the clicks. Um, (laughs) uh, But anyway, so the, so the, the, the new twist this year, right? So day one, We'll go ahead and everybody will have a run and then positions, uh, 13 through 30 will be locked in, uh, and then we'll have the last row shootout, um, where positions 30 through 33 will be locked in. And should there be 34 cars or 35 cars, cars will be bumped right now we're still struggling to find number 33. So, uh, I, you know, if we only up with 33 cars, that's kind of just a mute exercise and shuffling the, the order of the third row, uh, which uh, at the end of the day has very little bearing on the race, but, but in the event that uh, two people step up, we'll, we'll have an actual bump, although, but uh, you know, so perhaps not seeing the bump this year, that procedure is in place for years to come. Now, that is not wildly different than what's been going on, uh, except for the top 12. We'll then have the fast 12 shootout, uh, which will result in the first, the the six fastest cars moving on to the fast six. So it's, 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 you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, Q1, Q2, Q3, you know, if you, you advance to the next round, and then, of course, the poll will be set amongst those fast six. So it adds it adds an extra step because they used to do the, the fast nine. So now they do the six to nine. Some people are concerned with, oh, well, why? You know, why this manufacture drama? Why the additional attempts? I, I mean, if you ask me, if you ask me, Louise, the um, it's no different than what they do in road courses, no, you know, where 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 you go, you, you advance from one qualifying round to the next, right? And as far as somebody said, Oh, I don't know why the expense of the multiple attempts, I'm like, Golly, look at the history of Indianapolis. The guys have been taking multiple attempts for years, pulling qualified cars and, and trying again under some of the older formats. So yeah, you uh, get three attempts in a car. Yes. That's always yes. been the case. But the only exception
3: is if you enter a T car or a a backup to a backup car or a loan car. Like if you lease it from another team, but yeah, you,
1: you know, back, you know, back in the, in the eighties and seventies and eighties, we would see that on, on bubble day, bubble day or bump day. However you choose to call it both, uh, both terms are proper, uh, where a guy would have util- used up all his attempts and his spare cars, So they'd see who had a, Non-qualified spare card and somebody would be shelling out some money, writing a check there in the garage to buy somebody's car, hastily apply uh, their own decals on it. Yeah, the it, infamous
3: Marlboro. The, Duracell the, the, Duracell the, Duracell.
1: The, yeah, the, what Yeah, he had a Marlboro Duracell, or the, um, or I thought it was a Marlboro uh, Miller Genuine Draft. I thought so for years, but I think I found out many years later it was Bozell's car. It was Bozell's car. Yeah. So yeah, you hastily apply your decals and then go try to try to qualify that one since you used up your other tests. But yeah, those those days are gone. And and you know, I was talking about <coughs> um, you know the lack of the 33 cars uh, with somebody, and they saw you know with all this. But but if you think about it, right, <coughs> a couple of years ago we would be able to get 33 to 35 cars for Indy, right? But we only had 22. Full-time cars, right? Yeah. Well, now we have 27 full-time cars, right? And we're struggling to get that 33rd car at Indianapolis, right? So is, that's, to me, that's not a bad trade-off because you don't have these guys able now to answer two additional cars or an additional car or three additional cars for the 500 because they're running more cars during the full season. So, uh, yeah. So so there you go. You know, uh, you're not maybe you don't get a bump at Indy, but you get 27 cars every week. And I don't think that's a bad thing. How about what what are your thoughts? I don't think necessarily is a bad thing. It's the closest we've gotten since
3: 2011, when there used to be like pushing 30 on on a frequent basis. We're on par to it. Sure, we don't have many part-time teams, which they, explains why there were like well over thirty cars in twenty eleven. But we at least it's quality quality rides, and it's just they're more concentrated with what they got. And it's just the expenses are kind of hard to come by. And it's also I saw somewhere where why not reward the pole winner the five hundreds of bonus money? Of course they're gonna get points. It's 12 through one. Pulsar gets 12 points. And then Twelve will get just a single. Well, the the
1: poll center gets a hundred thousand dollars.
3: Yeah, the the I think these either don't remember it's not as publicized
1: enough to the person's eye. Well, the thing is, it's been a hundred thousand dollars since about the nineties. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe they should kick it up. You know,
3: I'd I'd say so. Honestly, bump it about another hundred thousand or so kind of further incentivize
1: you know somebody as a sponsor needs to jump in and and uh you know sponsor that (laughs) so you know but but you know at the um on the bright side there have been a slew of new sponsor announcements in indycar you've got guys left and right announcing new sponsors including um ray hall is now has uh that what's it called? Um, uh, Hard Rock or no? It's yeah. not Hard Rock. Is it called Hard Rock? Something else I know
3: is Dale and Amy Earnhardt. Yeah,
1: Dale, Dale. Yeah, it wouldn't be Hard Rock because that's the cafe, and they would get into, but it's uh, but it's a vodka that's made by Dale Earnhardt Jr. and and Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to be on Graham Ray car, uh, for the one of the Iowa races as the primary. And then they'll be on the, on the on the car the rest of the season as a secondary. So I just think it's kind of neat that, uh, you know, Junior chooses to sponsor, you know, use to put his brand on an IndyCar. Because, you know, Dale is a fan of IndyCar racing. You know, he's some of his if you watch his podcast, um, Dale Junior Download, some of his best interviews are when he gets IndyCar drivers on there. And you can just tell in his interview style that he has a lot of respect for what those guys do. And then of course the time he was, you know, when he's been in the booth or, you know, on, on site in Indianapolis at the bequest of NBC you can tell that he really, he really enjoys it and is really interested in what, what IndyCar does. So I think that's pretty neat that he's taken that step and, and utilizing his vodka brand as an IndyCar sponsor.
3: No, for sure. It does bring some eyeballs and also, kind of endorse the brand somewhere with a with a longtime veteran like graham ray hall especially at iowa where it's very hyped and publicized as one of one of the marquee races of the year and i say marquee in terms of how high he has stepped up their game in their marketing to where i said like if there was an equivalent award like what formula the fia do with like the promotional of the year for a grand prix You can probably put Iowa as a strong contender for this year if there was an award as such. I would say
1: Iowa and Nashville are probably the two best at promoting their events. Um, You know, but some of these other, like Texas, not so much. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah, it's just a matter of how many people will show up and kind of the return on investment. Because remember, this is like a big thing because as I always return... It's pretty much their marquee race. They don't have that's that's their big one because obviously they don't run NASCAR. They know it's I think they still they have Arca still, but not
1: much NASCAR.
3: So IndyCar is their bread and butter as far as their events. Sure, yeah.
1: Oh, and and of course IndyCar is actually leasing the track. you know, so the, the Speedway themselves has kind of has their money guaranteed whether IndyCar sells ticket or tickets or not. But um you know, so it's really up to Hive and the series to pack the stands there so they can make their money back on, on what they're paying to uh, essentially rent a track from NASCAR. Yeah, and
3: essentially the draw of the performers as well. Right, because right. Obviously, people may just be there for the concerts. <laughs> like, I know, was it Blake Shelton, Gwen Stefani, one of them, I think Florida Georgia Lynn is another one. Whereas the Texas All-Star race, they have a post Race concert with Banda MS, which is a Hispanic group that has treaded some waters with Snoop Dogg before. But if we're talking about Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani here.
1: Yeah, you got some big names here. Yeah, but I mean, they they did better with their concerts than um, you know, say uh Indianapolis did with their Carb Day lineup. I I haven't I have looked at, the, at it. I know,
3: like when it comes to that stuff, it's not in my alley in terms of genre.
1: Okay, so so the Carb Day concert, yeah, it's, it's Morris Day in the Time, right? Who uh, was pretty much big in 1983 and and had won, <laughs> had had, had one early 90s one hit, right? Right, he was a uh, guy that hung out with Prince, right? He's in the Purple Rain movie. Um, so Morris Day, but but yeah, it's a fun dance band. Um, Rick Springfield, you know, he was. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Really. which that he had Jesse's girl. Yeah, but he, yeah, Rick Springfield had. Oh, uh, people know him best for, for Jesse's girl. But he had, you know, five or six hit songs over over the years that he was popular, which again, were in the 80s. And then then the lead act is this act called Kings of Chaos. And now here's a band that's never even recorded an album. Right.
3: I've but never heard of them. They're the, like some EDM the, the, group.
1: They are no, they are what they they classify themselves as a supergroup. And they are made up of uh these 80s hairband guys, right? 80s Hold and 90s up. hair. They they they're made up of uh former members of like Skid Row, um Guns N' Roses, um
2: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Uh, Night okay. Ranger. Yeah, so it's it's going to be 80s. Kind of like the 80s. one they had at Long Beach, which was, was
3: also a super group where I think one of the, sh- the, sh- the front men at Sugar Ray was one of them. I can't remember.
1: Uh, yeah, I do remember they had a long, but yeah. So it's going to be, it's, it's essentially a nostalgia act with several guys from these bands but they'll be playing all the hit songs that they had so it'll be i mean if you grew up in that era and you like that music i um, mean don't don't underestimate how fun that show is going to be because i i grew up in that era and i i really enjoy that kind of music so uh you know you're gonna be hearing some some guns and roses and skid row and if
3: i if i had a sliver of time to check it i'd probably check it out but there's no guarantees but if you want to really get in that threshold, you probably have to get some of the major acts of today, whether they're a sister group or pop artists, but all of such are touring right now because music tours are back and running heavily. Right. Well,
1: I, you know, Indianapolis. That's source. a better catch. Yeah, Indianapolis sort of has this format that the Carb Day concert is always seems to be a nostalgia act, right? The, the Legends Day, the Saturday concert is always a country act then of course the race day the snake pit that's your electronic music and and DJs and all the crazy stuff that the young people like and they they pack them in over there those people don't even watch the race um, but they they have a great time and you know they they buy a ticket just like the rest of us and that money's going into the covers of the Indycar series so uh I don't mind it but that's in turn three i sit and turn four and you can hear the bass from over there i can't imagine how loud it is to be in that snake pit but uh you know i'm, I'm not as young as i once was so i'm not gonna and it's not my music <laughs> at all so i steered clear not, from it it's is it's not it's not mine either but uh you know young people have a great time with it so uh and and again it's a success, successful event that they're bringing back after a two-year absence so they're expecting a good, good crowd over there so but to anyway, get the pit stop
3: competition back with the debut of the green firestone compounds
1: yes yes so let's talk about the green firestone compounds a little bit because somebody there's a little bit of a misconception that oh somebody said oh is this is the green tire going to replace the red tire well no the 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 green tire is going to re- eventually replace all the tires and it's just the the type of rubber it's 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 natural rubber but it's harvested from a different plant uh, and it's a plant that's grown domestically uh in the american um midwest or the american southwest rather um and it it harvests quicker than your traditional rubber plants and rubber trees uh the ones that you would find in southeast asia and and down in the rainforest so it's a more sustainable product but uh, yeah in as far as having any properties that are not as good as say natural rubber. Well, that's, you know, all those arguments are offset because it is indeed a natural rubber. It's just harvested from a different plant that harvests, you know, quicker and is grown domestically. So it's more sustainable, um, you know, in, in the fact that, that they can harvest it pretty quickly. Uh, but I, I mean, other companies like Pirelli and Cooper have been using this type of rubber for, for a couple of years. You know, they just haven't put out a whole lot of fanfare about it. So it's not um, it's not really going to change much. You know, there'll still be a, a hard compound and a soft compound. That'll just be constructed of a different rubber. But of course, the you know, the initial ones that they put out to display. Yeah, they have a green sidewall on them, which looks pretty cool. Just, you know, as maybe they'll keep the green rather than the red. I don't know. But it's uh, yeah, it's still going to be a Yeah, eventually that'll be where all the tires are made of. Yeah, it's
3: gonna be an interesting card day rather than just have the single practice session like we had the past couple of years. So yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting spectacle once the month of May rolls along. And see how that looks it's just the atmosphere because it's been a long time coming.
1: Yeah, I mean, people are still a little annoyed with the fact that the Freedom 100 no longer exists. Um, Yeah. I I mean, if you ask me, and I know Roger wants to keep the support series off the Oval. He wants everyone off the Oval except the IndyCar series. And and I respect that. That's why, you know, the Cup Series is now on the road course. Um, He wants to preserve the sanctity of the Oval. And he's had some concerns about the safety of the Indy Lights cars on. But why not run the... And he likes cars on the road course on carb day. I think it's more or less probably a logistical
3: ordeal because remember you have car day practice.
1: Well, I, I, I'm not I, sure I, how long it takes to move all the stuff. That's the big d- question. D- depends on who you ask, right? Mm-hmm. You know, cause didn't we, didn't we see it done once in 20 minutes and then somebody else say it takes, two it takes days? as long as they want it to take. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because I, I I want to say they did something where they did a road course and oval in the same day or and and. I've only seen it through the
3: same weekend. I was in 2020 um, when they had the Grand Prix and then the fought on a Saturday and then the 400 the final Brickyard 400 on the oval the next.
1: Yeah, but haven't they had. Because they I used to they used to do that, what they call the Kroger Super Weekend, right? Where they had sports cars and NASCAR running, but they still had practice sessions on the same day, where the sports car were running the the road course and the uh, you know and the uh, the cup cars were practicing on the oval or, or, or maybe maybe not I don't know I, I yeah but but I think I think they need to add just one little event to Carb Day um, because uh, just to replace the Freedom Freedom One Hundred so I don't know. Anyway, but I digress. So let's, uh, let's talk about NASCAR for a while, okay? So other than the Talladega race, where Ross Chastain once again wins the race and busts the watermelon. Um, he was the uh, benefactor of uh, not moving on the last lap. He just kept his place in line while, while the melee occurred around him and was able to go straight for the line. But uh, the, uh, the hours and hours leading up to that, um, we saw kind of a mixed bag of, of uh, you know, stay in line, get out of line, three wide, four wide. Fuel. <laughs> Fuel. Yep. Yeah, kind of a typical Talladega race there um, for a bit there. I thought the Gen 7 cars performed uh, rather
3: well. It was relatively clean to say the least, except for the restart wreck that had Joey Logano involved. And the worst sounding production of a wreck I've ever seen in my life, but we'll talk about Fox's on and off, awful production at different time, but it was relatively clean for the most part, which was, again, it's neat to see because what have we seen since the implementation of stage racing in particular, nothing but big wrecks and where they wad up three quarters of the field. This ring race actually yeah, went red say, flag yeah. free. And, and so, in just one major wreck, well, two of them that, that just took out the big heavy hitters, mostly from the Ford camp. Pretty much took out all the key, almost all the key Ford guys in those wrecks, like your Chris Buescher, your Joey Logano, your Chase Briscoe, the guys that were, they usually are up there or were up there at the 500 were non-factors because if they were taking, they were out early. So we saw a different dynamic of the race where you saw guys that normally aren't up there do well, like Kyle Larson and Eric Jones and even
1: Ross Yastain. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Eric Jones nearly won that thing. You know, he just, you know, leading on the last lap at uh, Talladega is actually never where you want to be. Yeah, or Uh, pull
3: away because Ross kind of wobbled a bit and broke broke up the draft a bit and then Jones started to pull away on Larson, which if you pull away on a super sweet, you know, that never ends. Well,
1: no, no, now. So, but yeah, Jones came close. and is how long has petty enterprise been trying to get that 200th win since Almorola's win at Daytona in
3: 2014, the 400 that was rain. Shorn.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. So we're talking seven years now. We're so pushing on eight. Yeah. Eight, we're pushing eight, on eight. eight, eight years now. They've been trying to trying to get another win for Petty Enterprises. So uh yeah. So um yeah, but uh incur- well, for the forty three it, it, because it's yeah, now but, but, but Petty but incur- GMS. Right, but encouraging for them to uh <laughs> encouraging for them to have a good run, although, you know, we don't see another restrictor play till we get back to well, we're not going back to Daytona Oval, are we? We're on the road course next time, right? No.
3: They Daytona the Road Course is not on the calendar this year. We go oh, back. Okay. We still have the July Atlanta race and then the regular season finale in Daytona in August or September.
1: The one that's supposed to be in the 4th of July, right? I got you. Yeah. Yep. The, the old firecracker 400. Up. Up. All right. So let's talk about some of the off track news. Danny Hamlin going to sensitivity training. Yep. I, 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 I have to t- be done I, this week. I tell you, um, so he, he posted a tweet with a clip from the family guy show that depicted an Asian, uh, female Asian driver cutting across eight lanes of traffic, uh, complete with, um, a voiceover with a very, very, uh, stereotypical Asian accent. And, um, and he put the name Kyle Larson on there. So, uh, uh, Denny, you sh- and then he says, "Oh, I apologize if some people took that wrong." I'm like, "You should have known better."
3: <laughs> or better, or better, or better yet, like as
1: the initial tweet, I said,
3: "Oh boy, this is going to go well." Then yeah. underneath, like a minute later, you put underneath is like, he and Kyle are good buddies. It's just good old ribbing." And then, and then, up minutes more minutes later, the lining up and all of that is like, "You yeah. probably hey, you probably should have put all of that in one tweet. It's 280 characters." You can well, fit he, all of that in. He Derek. probably
1: should have just or not it, tweeted said, it at all. He should have sent it to Kyle Larson as a private message and let him and his buddy have a laugh between two friends, right? Yeah, because, because the video because, quality was
3: terrible so, to begin
1: with. It's well, like for of two thousand seven. Yeah, like like Richard said, that's the least of the problems. problem. Yeah, I know. Is the video quality. But um anyway, so yeah, but I I mean, yeah, he's oh yeah, that's because we're good friends. Well, okay, isn't that the same? thing kyle larson said when he used the n-word during the i-racing he was directing that towards his good friend and that's just the kind of jokes we make amongst one another well that didn't go over well either so but now denny hamlin is going into sensitivity training and some folks are concerned that nascar hasn't punished him hard enough because uh larson actually ended up Being out of NASCAR for a year and and here Denny's going to be racing next weekend so I don't know where you draw the line with with this sensitivity training Uh, but it's in my mind it's a bad look for NASCAR to, to ever be inconsistent when it comes to these sort of things
3: yeah, and let's add on, let's not forget Haley Deegan also had to go through sensitivity training for using a certain word on a Twitch stream just because somebody bumped, moved her out of the way or whatever. Or I forget what the context is. Either or, it's one of those ordeals where it's it's kind of split. Unf- I hate to say, unfortunately, it's split. There's people that are, that, yeah, shouldn't have tweeted, and there's others that found it funny and all of that. And it's just like Easter own. But for she's just got to be careful what you post. Honestly, you just got to be careful.
1: Yeah, that's see that's the problem with it. You know, at, at the end of the day, yeah, it, it is actually kind of funny. And I'm sure Kyle Larson maybe had a good laugh at it. But. going to understand the world we live in this this day and age. A lot of people are, you know, very sensitive. A lot of people are, are very concerned with political correctness. Uh, a lot of people want to um, use the tag "racist" on nearly everything. You know, um, you know what what used to be considered a cool Halloween costume years ago is now racist. You know, um, terms that were used uh, regularly are now con- deemed offensive. You know, like the the term Haley Deegan used that was. That was, you know, years ago, that was how you referred to that. And then they said, well, no, that's pretty insensitive. We need to use a different term for that, right? You know, same thing with with a lot of things. So, But you just need to understand when you live in the public eye and you're posting on a very public forum, I mean, you know, just be careful. If you're a celebrity and you're trying to be funny, Twitter is like a loaded gun to your head.
3: Yeah, and that's the thing. It was on Twitter. It wasn't like on Instagram or TikTok. It was literally on Twitter. You know how NASCAR Twitter can get, right or wrong. And this one is justified, in my opinion, the, to react, the way to react. Because one of my editor chiefs decided to write an opinion article of it, which I totally understand. And in that scenario, you just – no, never mind. It's like in that scenario – it's justified. It's like they'll take some people take offense. Some people it's just like, well, they shouldn't take offense. It's just each their own, it depends who it is, and depends how it affects everybody. If it was Hispanic related, I probably see it in a completely different light, depending on the context and what it is. For that one, it was clear, bright as day. It was just another one of those stereotypical moments that just people are tired of, and I could totally on board why they feel that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, at at, at the end of the day, uh, it's like, what are you thinking, Denny Hamlin? And then we have a case of this kid in ARCA. What's his name? Uh, Daniel Dye? Yeah, which
3: is absolutely shameful. Penny, what what comes out of it, 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 he just cost himself a championship. Because that, yeah, there's only really three or four, three guys running the whole year that are competitive. Yeah, you have Sammy Smith, who's gonna be there sooner or later. That's gonna probably rack up a lot of wins when he gets there. But Daniel Dye was in. It could have been a championship contender with Roger Karouf and Nick Sanchez. In fact, Daniel Dye was a single point behind Karouf after Talladega because Moritz Lee large part because. Spotter didn't clear him enough. He got turned that ultimately ended the race and in, in a race that was won by Nick Sanchez. So that's how Roger Carruth got the championship. Leader said the beginning of the season, they got to put up a lot of points on Sammy Smith, because if you give Sammy Smith an opportunity to rack up wins and any slip offs or any of those guys that are running full time, no matter how whether it is, like one bad race, it could be a difference. Whether or not Sammy Smith is going to win the championship is completely—it's a different topic. But for Daniel Dy, who, who has worked this up in the late-model scene, viewed as a respectable driver to some, for many aspects, he even won a National Arc race already in his career to throw it all away. He literally threw it all away. And Now you've got to wonder if GMS racer is even going to continue the 43 car. And you basically
1: handed Rev Racing the championship. All right, we'll we'll have to see how that one plays out because yeah. I uh, mean dies um, his lawyers are adamant that once the facts come out he'll be exonerated and uh, you know for because uh, we are just looking at allegations at the moment, but uh, the the kind of the scary thing for this kid is that he's he's not just charged with simple assault, he's charged with felony assault, for punching a classmate in the groin and uh, injuring injuring the other kid. Um, so, but he was charged with felony assault if he's convicted of felony assault, this kid's only 18 years old and they have that convicted felon tag over the head for, over your head for the rest of your life. It's, I I mean, it's a killer. You can't vote. You keep, it's really hard to get a job. Uh, You know, people just, you know, employers tend to shy away from the, if you check the boxes, say, have you been convicted of a felony? uh you know so it's just uh it's he's really gonna have to tread carefully with this one um and and we'll just have to see what happens but uh but if if the allegations are true yeah it's pretty shameful behavior for somebody who is looking at a career in the public eye again
3: yeah in a, in a ride like gms racing where you have a shot at probably winning a championship and maybe have a promising career. If, if convicted, if he were to get any opportunities to race, he would be a perennial backmarker for life.
1: Yeah. Cut and yeah. dry. Cut and dry. All right. So let's talk about some of the support races at Talladega. Yeah. You, you want to talk about uh, go ahead let's, let's, talk, about uh, let's talk, talk about that. Let's talk about another talk about, about the arc fiasco and then we could talk about uh, Larry, McR- Larry McReynolds and Jeffrey Earnhardt. Huh? Yeah. The other arc of fiasco so
3: happened in the middle of the race where depending who you ask, whose fault of this. If you ask Richard Garvey, it's Tony Breidinger's fault. if Where Breidinger was lifting too much. And then because, and because of that, it might've made, made contact. Regard, they all hell broke loose where. I see one of the drivers that from Willie Mullins, team lost control. And then Gar Garvey, who was trying to avoid it, lifted off, landed ran into Lester's car, flew up in the air that could have tumbled and in. Then you had Eric Caldwell in the seven, slides through the grass. He came across the track. Further back, you had Scott Melton in a 69 car that is primarily, regularly driven by Will Kimball from time to time. Basically, your quintessential arc of break happened to where Melton was trying to avoid Breidinger. I think he Barely avoided her. Might have made a slight contact. But because Caldwell went back across the track. Gave him. Melton no reaction time. t bowed him. And now he has a comp- compressed fracture. Where they had to cut him out of the car. Fortunately he's okay. He underwent surgery. But the car completely told him. And according. And in the video I saw from the 69 race team. It could have been much worse. But the car safety is like the steering wheel. The way it was. Dire- the way it tilt Shifted. It shifted away from the driver rather than go towards the sternum and all that. So it did its job for preventing any serious, any worse injuries that it could have been. So, fortunately, it looks like Meltz is going to be all right whether or not his careers over time will tell. But because Garvey pointed the blame on Breidinger, Breidinger decided to go dig up Richard Garvey's criminal records over the past half, the past decade. So, yeah. We people got realized that Garvey has, has been have been arrested multiple times and and all of that stuff. And that's as far as I'm going to go about that topic, because it's just I was going to say, yeah, it's like it's like a
1: soap opera.
3: Yeah. And for and as for girl it's, it's like, yeah, but you, too, should realize that while you're upset at the driver, just talk to the driver Instead of just going on a on a hazing spree and just go find, just try to expose somebody, justified or not, over a racing incident. Yeah, it, you, it, but you it, don't it, see yeah. you don't see Chase Elliott going find past stuff from Cody or his brother Carson. wear. this is just a fine line how you conduct yourself with social media. This is another example of it.
1: Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about the Xfinity race where it was made a lot of headlines of Jeffrey Earnhardt driving the number three car. They, 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 you know, knocked the dust off of Larry McReynolds, got him out of the booth and back on the uh, back on the stand there to call a race strategy. And, uh, uh, you know, pretty, pretty good performance from them, although they didn't win. Yeah, they held their own, but like sometimes
3: throughout the race, they were kind of waiting for the right moment, the right time. It looked like there was going to be, but Noah Gregson had other plans, and Gregson was able to win that race at Talladega because everybody's thinking all oh, three cars are going to win three Earnhardt Xfinity guaranteed win because it pretty much like with Dale Jr. drove the three car a couple times when he won it, like in Daytona, O two, it in the in the July Daytona race and I think in 2011 or 2012. So people thought, oh, maybe this is going to be the race that Jeffrey finally breaks through. He didn't really break through. and the fact, the race was dominated by, for the most part, by Earnhardt's temporary teammate, Austin Hill. Austin Hill was in control, and then a couple restarts, and then he got collected in a big wreck, with, along with Sam Mayer, and that ended, that ended his chance of going two for two on the the big super speedways of course atlanta's team is a super speedway so he's not he wouldn't that was won by tiger so he wouldn't got he wouldn't have been undefeated but we're talking about the traditional super speedways like daytona talladega's concern but that didn't happen and as we got multiple overtimes in gregson was able to pull it off and got the win and probably had one big party which he ultimately
1: did Sure, he did. Yeah, so good for him. And uh, and the Jeffrey Earnhardt thing, yeah, it's a good feel, good story. But you know, at the same time, I have my suspicions that maybe they were a little lax on inspection because you know Jeffrey Earnhardt hasn't exactly set the world on fire. Larry McReynolds hasn't been in the in the pits in uh a number like of years. Winter. In a number of years, yeah. So uh, for them to go in there, win a pole, and then uh, you know nearly sneak in the race win, is just a, you know. It's, it's a little too good to be true, but, uh, you know, I don't like to buy into conspiracy theory at all. But what I would like to buy into is uh, making some picks for next weekend. And first off, let's talk about the Indy cars going to Barber Motorsports Park, uh, which is one of my favorite um, races on the calendar there. So, uh, Richard, since you've been quiet over there, I'll let you get the first pick for Indy Cars at Barber.
2: Oh, shall I pick a really controversial pick? Sure, yeah, Takuma Sato. He's won there before.
1: Well, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's not the Uh, controversial uh, pick with Scott uh, Dixon. uh, All all the controversy out the window, yeah. So, all right, Louise, who do you like for uh, Barber? This one has
3: a good chance to probably see him below back in victory, back in victory circle. I don't, I still don't think Dixon will win at Barber yet again. Which which one of the, it's the annual headline, will Dixon finally win at Barber? I don't see it.
1: Uh, Dixon's been a little off this year. He's still been been up in the mix, but uh, I think, I think Dixon's going to have a good Indy 500 uh, this year. Uh, did you know that Scott Dixon is only 74 laps shy of, of passing both Ralph De Palma and Al Unser senior on the all-time lap leader list in Indianapolis. If, if Dixon leads 75 laps, um, at Indy next month, he'll be the all-time lap leader in the Indy 500. Yeah. Well, we um, do now.
2: Wildly, wildly wildly we do now. Have it. It.
1: Yes. Yes. So that's, uh, so that's uh that's interesting there. Was uh, it seventy
2: five yeah. laps out of a two hundred lap race? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's got to have to have a superb.
3: He's got to have a superb month of May for this. Yeah, he's got, he's got to have what's to,
1: have the to have most.
2: Have, I mean, in, in in the modern era, and you know, what's the most laps led at an Indy five
3: in
1: hundred to the, won it in the modern era? Oh man, I don't know. And I me, I, know, I know the all time record is one hundred ninety six laps, but that that happened in nineteen twelve. Um, yeah, it's not quite modern. <laughs> I think <laughs> modern. We're talking about like Montoya two thousand. Yeah, I think he he led um, it, it, easy one hundred sixty. I think.
3: Yeah, but I think like Michael had has it. In, in uh, yeah, Michael. Michael
1: in ninety two. Yeah, he. I but think he. I think he led close to one hundred eighty. Yeah, and still.
3: Still Which didn't is, win. Yeah, still didn't win. It's interesting how those who had led over 180, unless your name is Al Unzer, you didn't win the 500. Right, right. Yeah, so. So yeah, Michael
2: Andretti I, is actually 11th on the list of on the most all, laps
1: led. On the all-time list, yeah. But has never won. And Dixon's, you know, looking to be number one, and uh, one one win to show for it. And, and Ra- Ralph De Palma. That guy, he was the Michael Andretti before Michael Andretti. That guy, you know, led a lot of laps and just couldn't get the win. You know, yeah, so they were
3: to win those championships.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But uh, guys, De Palma the guy that led 196 laps. Right. And had a five lap lead. And then the car broke down with with, I think, four to go. And he tried to push the car around for a while. But then, then it took the other guy four laps to, you know, so they didn't actually pass him till like lap 198 or something like that. So.
2: Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's interesting just looking at some, because I've never really looked at this in the past, but it's in the modern era, when I say modern era, since say 1990, so what's that? That's 32 One ten 10 times out of 32 is the person who's led the most laps won the race. So you don't want to lead the most laps.
3: Yeah, that is true. You could ask Connor Daly. Who led the most
1: last year? Or, uh, not a whole Matt, lot. Max Chilton. Yeah,
2: can... Connor led forty. Um, hang on. Oh. Matt,
1: Max Chilton led fifty a couple of years ago. Yeah, and that was so that the was the least... race, Yeah. Uh,
2: sorry, this is this is totally going away from what we were talking about. But the the driver with the least laps led per year. It was actually 2013 when Ed Carpenter led 37 laps that year. So, no, And he had the most laps led in that race, but didn't win. Um, Connor Daly was, was second on that list at leading 40, 40 laps last year.
3: Yeah, and a lot of it has to do with the, um, the absurd amount of lead chase, especially in the, the first few years of the current chassis. Yeah. And the package that it had, but... Time will tell with the 500, but yes, yeah, I said about my pick of
1: Barber. I'm going with Pello. All right, I'm going with ah. Uh, I don't know, man. It's a tough one. I'm going to go with McLaughlin. Um, it'd All be right. it'd be interesting to see Rossi win a race. I don't know if you saw Rossi' a little video they put up the other day, but uh, there's a dumpster that's on fire. Which kind of, I need to see the whole thing in full. Yeah. I'm so, so surface. yeah. So, there's a dumpster that's on fire, right? Which kind of, you know, categorizes Rossi's season so far. And Rossi walks up to the dumpster with a fire extinguisher and tries to turn it in the fire extinguisher, doesn't work. And he says, typical. <laughs> so, all right. So, um, where are we off next in NASCAR?
3: Dover this weekend and my pick for Dover, I'm going to go with
1: William Byron. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with Ross Chastain. All right, Richard, you want to bow out of making an NASCAR pick?
2: Yeah, we'll skip this. All
1: thing. right, we'll skip this week, uh, but we are out of time. So uh, until next week, I want to thank you, Richard and Louise. I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. Spreaker, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and Google Podcasts. I want to thank Dan Play Racing Art. Find them on Facebook. Get your diecast IndyCar made. And I want to thank Legend of the First Super Speedway. Go over to their uh, website, firstsuperspeedway.com, and find a treasure trove of uh, old racing information. Uh, but uh, most of all, I want to thank you guys that listen to us every week. And until next week, good night.